Well, that was uh, Skylar Smith, and my name's Elmer Fudd. <laughs> That's about what I feel like when I follow such giftedness in the Lord. And I'm going to tell you the, the difference between a spiritual gift and a talent is a spiritual gift fulfills the purpose of the church and impacts with the message of Christ. So thank you, Skylar, for sharing with us today. And Deborah and the choir, all of you, it was wonderful today. Well, today you might leave this place and go and launch off into one of your wonderful family traditions during the Christmas season. We have our traditions and uh, you have yours, and they're all a blessing, and they're wonderful. And one tradition that you might have in your home, we have one in our home, we have several of them around our building, and that's the manger scene. And you can see a picture of the manger scene on the screens, and um, I know, I know that you can take the texts of Scripture and the history and you could nitpick the manger scene to pieces. You could say, well, this isn't right, this is right, that wouldn't have happened right then, the wise men didn't show up till later. In my former church, there was a lady who had a manger scene, and she would put the manger over here, and she'd put the wise men at the other end of the house. And she'd say, because they didn't show up till later. Uh, Problem is, at my house, you better keep it all together or something's going to get lost. Amen? But I don't believe our manger scenes are meant to tell us the historicity of the time, nor are they meant to tell us all of the textual truths of the Christmas story. But the manger scene, as you see it on the screen, as you probably have it displayed in your home, does speak the truth of the theology of Christmas, a theology of Christmas. And that's the value of a manger scene, that it portrays for us what God intended to do in the incarnation, and that is to save sinners, to save the world. He came to seek and to save that which is lost. And the major scene shows us a wide range, the, all the inequality and inequities, whatever you want to call it, it shows us that God looks at us as lost people who need to be saved. And it is portrayed in the shepherds and in the wise men. And so what I want to do today is I want to preach on the subject that I have decided to come to Jesus. Because the shepherds decided to go to Jesus. The wise men decided to go to Jesus. And you can decide today to come to Jesus. And I want to give you a contrast and a comparison of the wise men and the shepherds. And so let us turn in our Bibles first of all to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, and we're going to begin with verse 8. If, you have, uh, if you're using a pew Bible, you can turn to page 1,431. 
1431 in the Pew Bible, there in front of you, and follow along as we read. And if you're ready for the reading of God's Word, say Merry Christmas. I think most of you are ready. And there were in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, an angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste. And found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying God and praising God. For all the things that he'd heard and seen as it was told unto them. Now I invite you to turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 2, and we'll begin with verse 1, and we're going to read about the wise men. And if you have a pew Bible, you can turn to page 1342, 1342, and read along with me as we consider the wise men. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled And all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded uh, of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him in Bethlehem of Judea, For thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art art not thou the least among the princes of Judah? For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. 
And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. And when they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they were coming to the house... They saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened up their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own way another way. The shepherds and the wise men, both of them invited to Jesus, both of them coming to Jesus, both of them receiving Christ. They are as different as night and day. We could preach the whole sermon on their differences, but I just want to give you a few. People are different, aren't they? Different backgrounds, different cultures. Uh, Christmas Eve, we do one thing, you do another. It's our culture, our background. Different family situations. Different, different, different. The shepherds and the wise men were different. First of all, the shepherds were in Bethlehem, just right outside of Bethlehem in the shepherds' fields. The wise men were all the way from the ancient land of Babylon, all the way across the Fertile Crescent. The shepherds were common men, despised by their culture. A shepherd couldn't even give witness in court. They were not even acknowledged as persons. So they were common men, despised in their culture. The wise men, they were curious men, cultured men who were honored and revered in their culture way over in Babylon. God announced to the shepherds, He announced the Savior to the shepherds with a supernatural exhibition in the sky. Can you imagine that night? It was a typical night, so they thought, until an angel showed up and started preaching. And then a whole host of angels started shouting, glory to God in the highest. Some supernatural exhibition in the sky is how these shepherds knew a Savior was born. But the wise men, on the other hand, he announced the sovereign with a steady, slow exposition of the synagogues. For one, it was a flash in the sky. For another, it was a slow work of providence. Because you see, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before, the people of Israel were in great sin, ungodly, turning to idols. In my personal devotional life, I've been reading the book of Ezekiel. And I read chapter 7, 8, 9, and 10 today. And I was just taken back by the evil of Israel back then when the Babylonians came and God used them as the judgment of God 
to judge their idolatry and their sin. It was great evil. And God took them into captivity, slew many of them with the sword, with pestilence, with famine, but took many of them into captivity. Daniel was one of them. Ezekiel was another. The prophet Jeremiah was left in in Jerusalem to preach. And all the captives go to Babylon. And they learned lessons in Babylon. They learned that they didn't need to be idolaters. They 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 learned that they needed to stay true to their God. And so they established the synagogues. You know, you you close the Old Testament and you open up the New Testament, you start reading about synagogues, gathering places. And you wonder, where do the synagogues come from? Well, it's because their temple was destroyed and off they are in Babylon, no place to meet, so they developed synagogues, gathering places. And they had copies of the law. And they would read the copies of the law. And the forefathers of these wise men, all those centuries before, still curious, still always seeking something new. They had no no, uh, satisfaction in what they believed, but still seeking. They would go into the synagogues and they would listen to these old rabbis, these old rabbinical Jews Read Genesis. Read Exodus. Read Leviticus. Read Numbers. And when they would read Numbers, they would hear a prophecy in Numbers 24, which goes like this. I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob. And a scepter shall rise out of Israel and shall smite the corners of Moab and destroy all the children of Sheb. The wise men's forefathers first heard those words from those exiled Jews in Babylon. And that slow process of providence. Not some flashy exhibition in the sky, but slow exposition of the scriptures for many years. What did that mean? What did that mean? One wise man might say, my great-great-granddaddy talked about a star, and my great-great-granddaddy told me about it. My granddaddy told me about some star that's going to picture that a king is born in Israel. What does that mean? I don't know. We look at the stars every night. What does that mean? And then one night they looked up, and there was a brand new star they had never seen before. I imagine they got to the Hubble telescope as soon as they could. Oh, they, you know, you don't need no telescope to see that star. And that, ex, that exposition of the scriptures after all those years finally hit home in their mind and heart, and they knew what it meant. And so the shepherds saw an exhibition in the skies, and the wise men had an exposition of the Scriptures over many, many years. Perhaps you're like one of them. You were saved in a flash. Just all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit got a hold of you and shook you up, and you knew you needed Jesus, and you were saved. Or perhaps you're kind of like me. You just grew up in a Christian home. 
And you just grew up, and one day the Holy Spirit said, That's it. That's what you've got to do. It's time. The star's in the sky. Now you've got to be saved. And you just had constant education in the Word of God. And then you realized your sin, and you were saved. Or maybe something hit you between the eyes one day, and you said, Something's got to change. And you ran to a church and heard the gospel and were saved. I've met people. We've got people in our church both ways. Well, there's another difference. The shepherds were in their sin overlooking sheep. The wise men were in their sin overlooked by the stars. They were pagans. But both of them in their sin. The Lord had to overcome the shepherds' fear to get them to Jesus. Those angels showed up and they said, fear not. Let me give you a little homework. Study the fear nots of the Bible. Study the fear nots of the Bible. They're they're a good study. And then study those folks who did not get a fear not. Do you know the wise men didn't get a fear not? Did you know that? Herod didn't get a, a fear not. It wouldn't have done any good. But these shepherds got a fear not, shaking and quaking at the sight of the angels, intimidated by the fact of their station in life, not even able to go to court, second class, third class citizens at best. But the angel of God said, fear not. He had to overcome their fear. Let me ask you something. You know you need to be saved. You know you need Jesus. You know you need to be born again. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? Are you afraid of being ridiculed? Well, you might be ridiculed. Are you afraid of being embarrassed? Well, you need to be embarrassed. We can't come to God with pride. We've got to come with humility. Are you afraid that God will reject you? Nope. He said, whosoever will come, let him come. He won't cast you out. Are you afraid you won't say the right thing? Well, what you say doesn't save you. What Jesus does saves you. And He doesn't make a mistake. He's not going to get it wrong. He's had it right uh, since eternity past. What are you afraid of? You you, you shy? Don't be afraid. Don't be uh, timid. Come to Jesus. Let me share something with you. In a moment, we're going to give an invitation, and we're going to invite people to come to Jesus. And... uh, You might be timid about coming forward. That's fear. That's a type of fear. And you may say, well, what are people going to think? Well, let me tell you what people are going to think. God's people in this room are going to have a rejoicing in their heart. They're going to be happy in the Lord because they get a new baby brother or a baby sister. And they're going to be excited about that. It'd be wonderful to have twins today, wouldn't it? Amen? <laughs> or triplets. Or quadruplets. I don't, can't go with quintuplets. I can't go beyond that. But they're going to be happy in the Lord. The devil's crowd is going to do exactly what the devil does. They're just going to sour and make accusations. And, and who gives a rip what they think? Amen? They can go back and eat their turkey. What are you afraid of? And so, 
To save the shepherds, God had to overcome their fear. To save the wise men, God had to overcome their faith. See, they believed in the stars. They, they weren't afraid of anything. They had an entourage. They no doubt had bodyguards. I mean, they had everything. They, uh, they had all security, everything. They weren't afraid of anything. But they, their faith was, was faulty because they worshipped the stars. They, 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 they were into astrology. They were pagans. Devil worshipers. Worshipped the creator, uh, the creation, not the creator. They were idolaters. That's what they were. And God had to overcome them. And how did He do it? He did it with the Word of God and it took centuries to soak in. But He did it with the Word of God. A star out of Judah. A scepter is coming. And the Holy Spirit took the word of God and convicted their heart. And they said, we're going to go worship that king. He had to overcome their faith. Now, folks, I want to tell you, today there is this idea that doctrine does not matter. All I can do is tell you what the Bible says. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, definite article, the truth, the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. There's only one gospel, and that is the good news that Jesus died for our sins, was buried and rose again. There's only one person who can satisfy God today, and that's Jesus. That's the truth of the gospel. And if you are trusting anything else and believing anything else, you're not saved. They cannot save you. Paul says, if any man preaches another gospel, let him be accursed, because there's only one soul-saving, sin-cleansing Gospel, and that's the gospel of Christ. That Jesus died and was buried and rose again for your sin. That's the gospel. That's the long gospel. That's the short gospel. That's the only gospel there is. And it's the only way you can have your sins forgiven. Does God have to overcome your faith, what you believe? What you believe in order to save your soul. He just might have to. But I would tell you this. You trust the gospel of Christ as given in the word of God, the Bible. And you can be saved from your sin. And you can find peace and satisfaction and conviction and confidence in the gospel of Christ. Everything else will leave you hanging. But the gospel of Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit will save you. Last Thursday, I had a wonderful, wonderful phone call. I was at home sitting in my recliner watching Festus and Matt Dillon. And my phone rang, and it was my hunting buddy. And he said, man, I'm going to see Ryan, and uh, I need you to pray for me. I said, well, look, if you need me on the phone, I met Ryan back in November, just a lost man. He had a rough past. I mean, a hard, rough past. And he just, a lot of confusion in his life, a lot of sin in his life.
Brian's right here on the speaker. And uh, let's talk to him. And so I just said, Ryan, I met you in November. Man, I just enjoyed getting to know you, but I want to ask you a question over the phone. If you, if you were to die today, are you 100% certain that you'd go to heaven? And there was a long pause on the other phone. And he said, I, I can't say yes. I said, well, then you got to say no. And I said, let me tell you uh, something. You can know. The Bible says these things are written. The gospel's written that you may know you have eternal life. And he says, but I just have, I just have so many, I just have this problem. And I lay in bed at night saying, God, take me, take me. And I said, well, God hadn't taken you because he wants to save you. And if he saves you, he's going to give you a new life, and you're not going to want to go anymore. You're going to want to stay and serve the Lord. And my buddy would talk to him, and I would talk to him. And finally, I just said, Brian, do you want to be saved from your sin? Do you believe the gospel? He said, yeah, I believe Jesus died for me and was buried and rose again. I said, then all you need to do is call on him, repent of your sin. And I led him in the sinner's prayer, and he got saved. And after he got saved... Right on the phone, he started talking to us about what he wanted to do for Jesus. And I said, Ryan, listen to me. There is a change of tone in your voice. There is a calm in your voice. There is a pleasantness in your demeanor right now. I can sense it even over the phone. You are a happy man, whereas five minutes ago, you were in chaos in your heart. And he said, I have noticed the same thing just, just this minute. And the man got saved. Amen. And God had to overcome his faith. The things he believed or thought he believed. And he got a hold of Jesus. And Jesus got a hold of him. And he was saved. Amen. And so I want to tell you. God has to overcome your fear. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Come to Jesus. Don't, don't, don't let some faulty faith out there that's going to let you down and lead you to hell. Uh, in a happy manner, a confusing manner, whatever, you come to Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life, and He'll save you. Well, let's move on. The shepherds wore rugged clothes and smelled like a field. And the wise men wore regal clothes and smelled like frankincense. Amen. What do you smell like today? Huh? Oh, listen to me. It doesn't matter where you come from. You might come from one side of the tracks or another side of the tracks. It doesn't matter. You're still in your sin and you still need Jesus to save your soul. You still need Jesus. Well, we could go on and on and on. But the thing about it is both of them came to Jesus. And this is how God works. This is how God works to incite people and invite people to come to Jesus. Perhaps it's a short burst, a flash that lit up your darkness. Or perhaps it was a long process of seeking and hearing and learning and being wooed by the Lord Jesus Christ, by the Holy Spirit to come to Him. Whether you're caring for sheep or considering stars, in the course of your life, Jesus is inviting you to Himself. Both decided to come to Jesus. The shepherds said, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. They made with haste. The wise men said, where is he that is born king of the Jews? 
Let's go get him. They just go to him. They loaded up and made their journey. They both came to Jesus. They both came to Jesus. Regardless of their background. Regardless of your background. You know, there's somebody in this church building today. You don't have a church background. You, you hadn't been to church much. Maybe didn't grow up coming to church. But you're here today. You can come to Jesus. Maybe you're here and you've grown up in church. Your mom and daddy had you in church. That's my experience. Let me tell you something, folks. I was a Baptist nine months before I was born. I was faithful than many Baptists who, uh, who were older. I was nine months before I was born. I was there every time the doors were open. But I still needed to be saved. There's another group of people in here. People who are members of the church. You know, um, this Friday, December 29th, we're going to have the memorial service for one of our wonderful, faithful, stalwart members who went to be with the Lord. Miss Jane Ellison passed away. Jane uh, worked with a many a generation of kids, my children, many of your children, in the Sunday school and vacation Bible school. Very faithful for many years. But in August of 2010, one Sunday, she walks down the aisle in invitation. And she says, I need to be saved. I need to come to Jesus for the first time and be saved. What courage. God overcame her fear. God overcame her faulty faith. A long process of the Holy Spirit working with her. And she comes down on August 22nd, 2010. I baptized one of my church members. And she became a real church member. Oh, listen. Regardless of what background you come from, you need to come to Jesus to be saved. The contrast ends right there. There's some comparisons because let me share with you just a few things about a person who comes to Jesus. Several things. They're no longer different. These wise men and shepherds, they're no longer different. We put them in the same manger scene because theology says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. We're brothers and sisters in the Lord. The same blood. One faith. And so they're the same. First of all, when a person comes to Christ, they're glad. These guys were happy. They were happy when they came to Jesus. The shepherd's fear was dismissed when the angel said, I bring you glad tidings of great joy. Fear not, I bring you glad tidings. Not time to be afraid, it's time to be glad. The wise men saw the star and rejoiced with great joy. They were confused. They didn't know exactly where to go. Numbers did not predict where Jesus would be born, so they went to Jerusalem. But they had questions, and their questions were answered. When they stepped out of Herod's court, they saw the star again and rejoiced with great joy. They were a glad people. You know, people who come to Jesus need to be a happy people. 
No wonder more people aren't being saved. We sit in church with our mouths upside down. Huh? Sit like bumps on the log when we come to the house of God. We ought to be a happy people because we're saved and we're going to heaven. And I want to tell you, when you first come to Jesus, you're happy. And if you walk in the Spirit and grow in the Lord and be obedient and be filled with the Holy Spirit, you can have that same happiness and joy all your Christian life. Amen? Let me ask you, do you enjoy your Christian life? <laughs> that was the weakest amen I've gotten in 23 years. Do you enjoy your Christian life? Well, you were honest. Y'all were honest the first time, folks. Amen. <laughs> I'm having a good time whether you or not. Cole, that's fun preaching whether you like it or not. People were glad when they came to Jesus. Oh, Ryan, the other day, he was glad when he came to Jesus. Not only are they glad, but they're glorifying. Luke, Luke chapter 2, verse 20, they gave glory to God. The shepherds did what the angels did. The wise men came and they worshipped. They are a glorifying people. They glorify God on Monday. They glorify God on Tuesday. They glorify God on Wednesday. And if you don't do it then, you're not going to do it on Sunday. And you're not going to do it Christmas Eve. They were a glorifying people. They gave God glory with their voice and their lives. Their lives were changed. And so they were a glorifying people. We worship God weekly, corporately, and give Him glory. Give Him glory individually throughout the week. They were a glorifying people. And also, people who come to Jesus are a giving people. We know, we know what the wise men gave. But did you know the shepherds gave something as well? The Bible says they gave their words. They gave their words with a witness for the Lord. They went out from that swaddling, cold, wrapped baby, and they began to share what they had seen and heard. They began to tell everybody. I imagine, in the operative word being imagine, they were on their way back to the shepherd's fields. And I imagine they told the other shepherds, what they'd seen and heard. They gave their witness. Folks, people who come to Jesus, we must give our words to further the message of Christ. We must give our words. We must be witnesses. We must speak the gospel to people. Tell them how to be saved. Tell them they need to be saved. Pray to God. Talk to God about them and then talk to them about God. The wise men, they gave of their wealth to finance the mission of Jesus. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. That financed the trip to Egypt to protect the Lord. God used it, basically, from our vantage point, to keep Jesus alive. To keep Him from Herod's sword. To preserve his son. And he went to Egypt in fulfillment of Bible prophecy. And came back to Nazareth. That's what helped them 
live and survive and eat and have food and have a place to stay. The wise men gave of their wealth to finance the mission of Jesus. And you know, um, that's what we do. We have our missions giving. Our global mission fund. It's on our envelopes. It's on the website to give to our global mission fund. That money's divided up. It goes to Lottie Moon, Annie Armstrong, Margaret Lackey. All of it goes to missions and also to the Ruth Carlisle Fund, which gets our people on mission here from our church. Last week, we had George Smith here, and I'd been telling you about a church that we want to help in Uganda. In one week, actually uh, just less than two weeks, you gave, you gave of your wealth to further the mission of Christ in the amount of over $10,000. Amen. Amen. That ought to make you glad. And it's going to go to help Pastor Mark's church up there in Uganda to keep whatever's eating the trees from eating the trees around his church, whatever that means, digging into it. I enjoyed that video, but um, they're giving people. They give of their words, and they give of their wealth. And then not only that, but people who come to Jesus are a guided people. The shepherds heard and seen what was told them. The wise men were warned by God, and the Lord guided them for the cause of Christ. His guidance is for the sake of His glory and our lives. The Bible says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So that's the people who come to Jesus. That's what they're like. They start out different, totally different. But when they come to Jesus, this is what they're all like, every one of us who come to Jesus. I want to ask you this. Have you decided to come to Jesus. You might say, well, preacher, I don't have no star in the sky. Yeah, you do. Every night you got a whole bunch of them. Romans 1 says, God created this world to show us Himself. It shows us. It's called general revelation. And when you look at the night sky or you look at the day sky, you look at Mississippi weather. We have a God who can freeze us out one day and burn us up the next. Amen? That doesn't happen in Maine. It only happens in Mississippi. God can do that. We have a God of creation. And He says, I'm here. I'm here. You need to know me. You need to know me. I'm powerful. He sends us a hurricane and says, I'm wrathful. He sends you food to eat today, and He says, I'm merciful. He sends you a good word, a comforting heart, something to minister to you, and He says, I'm graceful. You do have a star, the common grace of God in creation. You say, well, preacher, I don't have an angel showing up, telling me, glory to God in the highest. I don't have those. I don't have a heavenly host of angels. Oh, yes, you do. Yes, you do. You know what an angel is? An angel is a messenger 
of God. That's what the word angelos means, messenger. That's all an angel is, is a messenger. As a matter of fact, in Revelation chapter 1, 2, and 3, it's talking about the pastors of those seven churches, and he calls them angels. Did you know your pastor is an angel? <laughs> Amen. I know what you're thinking. You're saying, well, there's two kinds of angels. There's fallen angels and good all an angel is is a messenger. Now there's cherubim and seraphim and angelic hosts like these shepherds saw that night. And we're certainly not like them. We're better than them. We're the redeemed saints of God. But we are messengers of God. So, my friend, you do have an angel. Let me tell you who your angel might be. It might be a godly husband who loves you and is saved and you're not. And He wants you to come to Christ. He wants you to come to Jesus. And He's doing His best to give glory to God and keep the peace in His heart to win you to Jesus. It might be that godly wife who prays for you and loves you and has stayed with you and you're not saved, but they're a messenger of God to bring you to Jesus. Come to Jesus. It might be this preacher today, who's just inviting you to come to Jesus. To fear not and trust Jesus and be saved. You say, well, what about the host of angels? This is First Baptist Church of Ocean Springs. We got a whole host of messengers of God in this building. And they love you. And I want to tell you what some of them are doing right now. They're praying for you to be saved and come to Jesus. So you do have stars, and you do have angels, but you got something else. You got the Holy Spirit of God speaking to your heart with this word, wooing you, drawing you to Jesus, drawing you to Jesus. Would you come to Jesus? Be wise. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus today. Let's stand for our song of appeal. As we bow in prayer, I want to ask you, and you, and you, and you, just as if we're in a one-on-one -on -one conversation, what I asked my baby brother Ryan before he was born again. Are you 100% certain if you died today, you'd come to heaven? You'd go to heaven? Are you 100% certain? Do you believe the gospel of Christ? If you believe the gospel, and you're here, and you want to be 100% certain, all you need to do is call on the name of the Lord and turn from your sin your fear, your faith that's empty and come to Jesus and trust Jesus and turn to Him and call on Him. We'll help you. We'll help you. And you can be saved. Jesus can save you. We'll help you in that commitment to the Lord. We won't leave you all by yourself. God's people will be with you. So all you need to do is to Step out into the aisle, one of these aisles, 
and you just walk down here. Cole's on one side. You can come to Cole. I'm on the other. You can come to me and you say, I want to be saved. S-A-V-E-D. I want to be saved. That's all you got to say. I want to come to Jesus. I want to be saved. That's all you got to say. And we'll help you. We'll show you how to be saved and lead you through it.